Each one of us is built for connection. There are tons of studies about how we are hardwired for connection. But unfortunately, there is something that directly opposes connection. There are things in this world that cannot coexist. Laptops and swimming pools. The swimming pool wins every time. Fire and paper. You light a piece of fire on paper, or you light a piece of paper on fire, and it doesn't stand a chance. Ginger Nut and Josh. Now that's a complicated, <laughs> that's a complicated relationship because the ginger nuts want Josh, but Josh does not want the ginger nuts. So <laughs> there are some things that do not coexist, and that is true for connection and offense. Connection and offense can't coexist. When you are deeply offended with someone, it is very hard to have a deep connection with them. Dictionary definition, offense is annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult to or disregard for oneself. Your flatmate leaves the kitchen a wreck. Your workmate undermines you in a work meeting. Your spouse doesn't make the bed, again. It's a feeling of frustration, annoyance, disregard for your feelings, and you feel offended. But how you respond to that offense makes all the difference. Last year, I get to tell stories about you because I have the microphone. <laughs> last year, you told stories about me last week. <laughs> last year, I was offended with Josh about something. I think it was around parenting and styles and our decisions. And I don't know what your natural response to feeling offended is, but mine is to have this simmering anger and to emotionally withdraw. And it's almost like me punishing people that I'm present with them, but I'm emotionally withdrawn from them. And so I was just frustrated. I was offended with Joshua. And I was doing dishes, and I was venting to the Lord about it. If you're going to vent, vent to the Lord. He's a good person to vent to. I was venting to the Lord about it, and I so clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, Josh is unintentionally hurting you, and you are intentionally hurting him. The, I was like, whoa, the Lord just burned me. Burn, right? <laughs> and the reason God put a spotlight on that is because connection thrives when offense dies. And God wants to kill our offense. He wants us to say, no, I'm not going to let this offense thrive in my life because I so love connection. Connection thrives when offense dies. That is why the Bible has so much to say about offense. Romans 12:18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone, but not your workmate who steals your pens. No, no, no. Be at peace with everyone, but not your flatmate who has controlling tendencies. No, be at peace with everyone, right? Be at peace with everyone. This is hard, because there are some personalities 
mm. <laughs> that will just rub you. There are some other values that people have that will just irk you. This is not an easy command to follow. So that is why I want to look at offense tonight, what it, uh, what it is, where it leads to, and then how do we deal with offense. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love connection. You love connection with us, and you desire for us to have connection with one another. And Lord, as I pray, as, as I speak tonight, I pray that you would soften hearts, that you would highlight any areas of offense in our hearts so that we can come and lay them down to you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brief pause. Am I good? Is that all right? Cool. Now you don't hear me exhaling as loudly. <laughs> Great. Okay. So I heard this story from a preacher. He said many years ago in a small African village, uh, there's these, all the villagers, and they started getting nauseous and weary and then started slowly dying. And there was just this outbreak of disease that broke out in this village. And the news of what was happening went to the nearest big city, and they sent some researchers over to see if they could identify the cause of the outbreak. So the researchers did a whole bunch of tests trying to figure it out, and finally they tested the water. And they discovered that the water was polluted. So they did some more tests. Hello, hello. That's all right. You guys can tune out a bit of static. I, okay. No. from this point forward are limited to this side. <laughs> okay. Nah, that's all right. That's good. Okay, so back to the visualize the African village. <laughs> Disease breaking out. They test the water, and they find out the water is contaminated. It's polluted. So they decide to travel upstream to see if they can find out where the problem is because this village has been getting their water source from a mountain stream forever, for centuries, and they've never had a problem. So the researchers started traveling upstream, didn't find a problem, didn't find a problem. They got to the source of the mountain stream, and it looked fine. It looked normal. But the, the entrance, or the mouth of the stream, was deep down. So they sent some divers to see if they could find anything down there. And as the divers went down, they saw the problem. There was a mum pig and two piglets that had fallen in, gotten lodged down there, and died. And their carcasses were decaying and contaminating this mountain river stream. Offense left unchecked pollutes us.
offense left unchecked pollutes us. You can tell I'm a youth pastor. I like object lessons. Offense turns into resentment. Resentment turns into bitterness. And bitterness turns into contempt. It pollutes our soul. Resentment happens when we dwell on offense. So offense is the initial hurt that you feel. But you start feeling resentment when you begin to dwell on that offense, when you start talking to your flatmate and you start talking to your friend and you start talking to your spouse about what that person did to you. And you're, you're playing the scenario over and over and over again in your mind. And as you do that, it's building resentment. And all those people are probably agreeing with you because they're like, yeah, that person did hurt you. You're justified in feeling resentment. But resentment unchecked turns into bitterness. And bitterness isn't just about what they did, but it's who they are. You start to feel bitter towards them as a person. You start to feel like there's actually not much good about that person because you're so clouded with bitterness. And bitterness turns into contempt. And this is the feeling that that person is just a waste of space, that you never want to see them again. They just need to get out of your life. They are worthless. And that's contempt. There's a famous researcher and clinical psychologist named John Gottman who has done 40 years of research on married couples. He confidently says that he can predict with 90% accuracy whether or not a couple will get divorced. And he bases it on what he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is an interesting name because it's the signs of the end of the marriage. Number one, criticism, cutting down the other person. Number two, defensiveness, a quick pushback to anything they say. Number three, stonewalling, shutting down emotionally and not engaging. And number four, contempt. Of these four signs, contempt is the strongest sign of an impending divorce. Because when you contempt someone, you just can't even stand to be around them. How do we get to a place of contempt? It starts with offense. Now this is pretty bleak because it's basically guaranteed that you will have offense in your relationships. So you kind of feel like it's doomed. <laughs> your relationships are doomed because you're going to be offended one way or another. But you don't all of a sudden feel contempt for someone. It starts with an offense. An offense is like a seed. And a seed is much easier to dig out of the ground than to cut down a mammoth tree of contempt. 
Hebrews 12, 15 to 17 from the message. I really like this version of it. It says, work along or work at getting along with each other and with God. We can get offended with God. We can get offended with people, but we can also get offended with God. You thought he would open the door for a promotion. You thought he'd protect a loved one from dying. You thought he'd show up in a certain way, and he didn't. But it says, work at getting along with each other and with God. It continues, otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Oh, here's a cutting truth. Offense with others limits our ability to connect with God. It says it over and over again in the Bible. Forgive others just as I have forgiven you. And the verse continues. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Notice the use of weeds of bitter discontent. Sometimes we don't catch it when it's an offense because it's a seed. But when it sprouts up and we see the weed, we, can, we, we start to see it in our lives and in our thoughts. Now, any gardener, gardener knows that weeds is a natural part of gardening. But just because it's natural doesn't mean they leave it unchecked. Doesn't mean that they're just like, oh, that's, that's normal for that weed to grow up there. I guess I'll just leave it. No, they work hard to maintain the garden, that they're constantly pulling up the weeds. It is the same for our hearts. And we know the master gardener. I found in my own life that he's very good. God is very good at helping me find seeds, pulling up weeds, cutting down saplings, or big, ginormous trees. God has a vested interest in helping our connections because he knows that for our connections to thrive, offense needs to die. So how do you deal with offense? I want to give you three practical ways of dealing with offense or any stage, whether it's resentment or bitterness or contempt. Number one, pray for the person. Praying for someone when you are offended with them is not a natural response. If you are upset with them, you don't really want to bless them and pray for them. But when you pray for someone, there's something that shifts, something that starts to change in your heart. When we lived in Kansas City, there is a, a ministry leader that was over me. And objectively, she was a lovely person. But she wasn't the most organized person. And I have a high value on being organized. She would miss meetings that she scheduled she would be late to those meetings. She would make team decisions that just like impromptu decisions that would send us into a panic. And there was one particular situation that really broke a lot of trust 
in the relationship. And uh, I, I knew I was offended, but I just couldn't shake it. And my offense turned into resentment, and it turned into bitterness to the point where I just felt like, actually, they're just completely unfit to be a ministry leader. And I couldn't see anything positive uh, about her. So I realized that there is a bit of an ugliness in my heart. And I was like, God, I, I, need to, I need to do something. And I started to pray. I started to pray for her. And it took about two years. I prayed for two years. And then that we had this situation where I found out someone came to me that I hurt someone and it was in the same vein that she had hurt me and it was this realization of we're all broken and we're all in need of mercy I need mercy from this person who I just hurt and I need to extend mercy to this ministry leader and it was it was like a night and day shift happened where all of a sudden I felt compassion, I felt care, I felt um, an ability to submit to leadership again, and I just, I, I could honor that leader again when, when my offense was wiped away. Offense can harden our hearts, but prayer softens our hearts. Second way to overcome offense is to make a change. Sometimes offense happens because boundaries are crossed and expectations are unmet. When that happens, you can feel pretty powerless. I knew a, a couple who the the wife was always late to everything. And it drove the husband nuts. So by the time the wife was putting on her shoes to go out the door, he was just simmering with anger. And so they finally had a conversation, and they decided if she wasn't ready by a certain time, then they would drive separately. And this wasn't a solution that they came up with to spite her. It was a solution that worked for both of them. But they, they made a change. When boundaries are crossed or expectations unmet, it can make you feel really powerless. And when you were a child and people hurt you, in many ways you were powerless. But you're not a child anymore. You have a voice. You have agency. You can make a change. But know this. Drawing boundaries should not be used as a tool to manipulate others, but rather to protect the relationship. So you can make changes to boundaries, but you can also make changes to your expectations. Maybe you hold your spouse or your flatmate at a sky-high expectation, and maybe they feel like before they even wake up in the morning, they're failing you. So you need to ask yourself, is this a realistic thing to expect? Do I need to change my expectation in this area? 
I have a very high value on making the bed. And not just like half making the bed, but like making the bed and making it look nice. And um, Josh does not share that value. <laughs> like he, he kind of makes the bed, <laughs> right? He doesn't share that value. And so over the almost 11 years of our marriage, we have had many conversations about bed making. And um, we came to the decision that whoever gets out of the bed last makes the bed. And um, I thought that would work. But remember, we have a different definition of bed making. <laughs> and so he'd make the bed, and then I'd walk into the bedroom, and I'd be like, does he not love me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, I do this, and I do that, and how can he not just take two minutes to pull up the sheets so they're not crumpled at the bottom, and to actually put the throw pillows that we bought, well, I bought them, to put them on the bed to make it look nice. And it was just frustrating, so I was offended. So we had another conversation. <laughs> and Josh asked me such a great question. He says, what feels so important about making the bed to you? And I thought about it, and I realized that in my late teenage years, I had heard several sermons that had stood out to me where they said, if you want to be a successful person, you start by making your bed in the morning. I don't know if you guys have heard that. Have you heard that? Yeah. So, Ultimately, by Josh not making the bed, he was dooming me to fail <laughs> in my life. <laughs> so this was a big deal, which is why I had such a big emotional response to it. And once I had that realization, I realized that either I need to change my expectation and be okay with how he makes the bed, or I need to say, this is really high value for me, I'm going to make the bed, right? Because that will help us not get offended. Making a change in expectation as well as making a change in boundaries can help overcome offense. And we want this because connection thrives when offense dies. That's a really good question. So Josh still makes it to his standard, which makes me feel loved now, because I'm like, oh, he tried. And then, <laughs> and then I remake the bed. <laughs> so yes, so I still appreciate your effort. Keep it up. <laughs> yes. Finally, step <laughs> practical thing number three. <laughs> this is probably the biggest one. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a pillar of the Christian faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of, of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
connection with Jesus is only possible because he forgave us. Listen to this language. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, meaning in the same way that he took the first step and extended forgiveness to our wrongs, we are called to take the first steps and extend forgiveness to those who wrong us. We are Christ's ambassadors, meaning that we represent him on earth. When we extend forgiveness, we are demonstrating Christ's love. And you might say, Sarah, you don't know how this person hurt me. And no, I don't. And they, they don't deserve your forgiveness. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. But we don't deserve his forgiveness either. But he extended it anyways. This is the foundation of the gospel. And if we want to choose Jesus and his way, and we say that we're Christians then we need to follow in his footpath and extend forgiveness. Now, this isn't to say that it's easy. And forgiveness doesn't automatically mean that you trust them again. But forgiveness means that you no longer hold what they did to you against them. Forgiveness means that you feel compassion and love towards them. Forgiveness means that you have a happy heart towards them or you have, you have peace and you actually you want them to have a good life. Anytime I don't have a happy heart towards someone, it's like a, a warning bell going off. Like, oh, I think there's some offense there. Forgiving someone often starts with just the words. Have you ever heard a child say they, like, whack a kid, another kid over the head, and then the parent with horror says, go say sorry, and they're like, sorry, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's kind of like forgiveness for us sometimes. At first, we're like, Lord, I forgive them. Okay, God, I forgive, okay, for real, I forgive them. And it, it starts as just words. But when we're committed to the ministry of reconciliation, when we're committed to go all the way with forgiving someone, it, it starts to get into our heart. So the offense that once polluted our heart, when we pray for them, when we make boundaries and change expectations, and we forgive them, it starts to clear our heart again. We want to have clean hearts and pure hands. We want God to search our heart and see if there's any wicked way in us and identify those ways so that we can give them over to him. Connection thrives when offense dies. Will you guys stand with me? There's um, a toddler song called Going on a Bear Hunt. Does anyone know that? Going on a bear hunt, yep. And it says, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, 
You can't go around it. You got to go through it. And that's a bit like a fence. You got to face a fence head on. You can try to sidestep it. You can try to ignore it or bury it, but it doesn't deal with it. You gotta face offense head on. You pray fervently, continuously. You make changes and boundaries and expectations, and you forgive over and over and over and over again. I used to think that if the other person caused the problem, then they should be the first to address the problem. And then I discovered that's not biblical. Our responsibility is to move towards the person regardless of who moved away first. Now, if this is a toxic person or physically or emotionally unsafe person, then the goal isn't necessarily reconciliation. But you still pray for them. You still forgive them. You make boundaries. I feel like tonight is an invitation to have the Lord search our hearts and to identify if there's any offense that's polluted our hearts. So would you just close your eyes? Jesus, thank you for forgiving us when we didn't deserve it. And God, I'm sorry the times that I turn away, get distracted, the times I do things to hurt our relationship. And God, I'm so thankful that you turn towards me over and over and over again. And God, I ask for grace right now for each one here tonight, especially for ones who, who even while I spoke that people came to mind who they're offended with, or maybe they've gotten to the, the stage of bitterness or contempt. And Lord, I ask for your grace to turn towards them again. We can't do it. We can't do it alone. But we thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us So as we worship, I encourage you to bring any offense that came up that was highlighted during this talk, that you would bring that to God in prayer. Don't let it pollute your heart anymore. <laughs>